0: Welcome to Season 7 of Sundays with Wendy, the voice of caregivers. My name is Wendy Goldberg, and I am the founder of the Benjamin Goldberg Foundation. We believe the caregiver is an essential role. This season, we hear their voices a parent and patient, a sibling, a chaplain, a healthcare worker, and a hospital administrator. Listen in as each of them share their stories. Exploring healing is at the heart of our work at the Benjamin Goldberg Foundation. Thank you for listening. To learn more, visit benjamingoldbergfoundation.org. It is my privilege to have Anne Esner with us today. She specializes as a chaplain at the Children's Hospital of the King's Daughters and is currently enrolled at Vanderbilt Divinity School studying integrative chaplaincy with a focus on mental health integration. So welcome, Anne.
1: Thank you so much. Thank you for um, for having me, and I, um, I always just hope and pray that my words can be a part of somebody's survival guide or somebody's story too. So thank you.
0: Tell us a little bit about what you
1: do at CHKD. That's a great question. So currently my role here first and foremost is a chaplain, but I do have a very unique role in the hospital and my title is family staff support coordinator as well as bereavement coordinator. And as soon as I say that a lot of people tense up, or they'll walk away because it's uncomfortable for them and they might not want to talk about it. But I am very passionate about bearing witness with people's stories and in grief and in suffering and in hardship because I feel it's a very sacred space. So here at the hospital, my role could look different every day and does look different every day. But generally speaking, it is assisting with emotional and spiritual support in whatever way the family or the patient needs.
0: I mean, I'm sure you see so much, such intense situations, such um, intimate situations.
1: Absolutely. I mean, we go from, uh, you know, uh, responses to the trauma bay to the pediatric intensive care unit and the neonatal intensive care unit. Our hospital here is so lucky to have a robust chaplaincy team. I mean, we have so many chaplains who have so many skill sets. And, you know, for each of us, we have our own service line, meaning placement within the hospital. But we really collaborate really well together to just, again, help the needs of not only the patients and the families, but also the staff here. And, you know, as we start to talk about caregiving, I think not only does it relate to patients and families, but also each other.
0: I know. I think that is so, so important. You know, when we're talking about all of these people around a patient, so it Mm -hmm. could be, you know, a parent, it could be the staff, it could be any of the team, that word caregiver comes up. So what does that word caregiver mean to you?
1: You know, I think I said it earlier, caregiver to me means being with. So whether, you know, for me, I do have a spiritual background. Um, I am Christian. Again, as a chaplain too, I I want people to understand that we are here to acknowledge all faiths. That also includes no faith or, or figuring out your faith or all of the above. But for me, it means bearing witness. So being a caregiver is establishing a relationship where you are caring for someone else, whether that be physically, emotionally, spiritually. And I think first and foremost, I can't say enough about how in awe I am to work beside the nurses because they are the essential caregiver. I mean, they can write their notes and get a patient um, a drink, change their wounds, make sure their medicine is hung, make sure that the orders are put into the physician, check the orders. And I mean, they just do it all because their essential job is a caregiver. And for me, I would say, that my role as a caregiver in this hospital is to assist in the more emotional, interpersonal side of caring for the soul, the meaning making. Um, And sometimes that doesn't, doesn't always mean coming to an answer. It just means being with, that's what comes to my mind. I love that. Yeah. And, and, you know, some people feel so uncomfortable with that. That's scary for some people.
0: We were in hospital setting for years, you know, so that's very different than coming in for for one event, but I had to really come to terms with these people are going to be in our space. You know, you're not used to that. You're living your life, you know, you have to kind of trust these people that are there.
1: Right. I also work um, with palliative care. And so we establish relationships that months to years, I mean, we really become one with the family and try and advocate. And so I, I think also caregiving means advocacy, listening, and then communicating to make sure that needs are being addressed.
0: Because everyone's situation is different. So you have to oh, have yeah. this perspective of how to approach a family, right? Right,
1: or how not to. If they say, <laughs> right. get out of my face, yeah, absolutely. Okay, you know?
0: Now, do you have a particular story you'd like to share?
1: Yes, so- I think it's also important when we talk about caregiving, not only to be um, one who advocates for, for caregiving, but also the significant change when you are then asked to be a caregiver outside of your role. One story that I thought of initially, and I could share stories about the hospital, but I also wanna respect family's privacy and confidentiality. And I'm happy to share kind of my own experience being a caregiver. My mom, she had been sick for a very long time. Lots of illnesses, lots of comorbidities, um, in and out of hospitals, in and out of rehabs, and um, specifically for sepsis and going to completely botch the name of this hydrodentitis superativa. Probably didn't say that correctly. And I apologize for all the medical people listening to Um, So she had a very long road, and when you asked for me to think of a story, I couldn't help but think of how out of control I felt, right? So my 10-plus years at CHKD, I, I feel very confident in the role that I feel called to, but when it came to being a daughter and a caregiver, that role completely changed my idea of what a caregiver meant. Because you're no longer just the daughter, right? You kind of have to be the bad guy sometimes. And when medication makes things difficult for mentality and for body, and when you find yourself really being very vulnerable, somebody to give you life to then help them in their time of need. I think that is probably one of the hardest things that I've ever had to do. I could never imagine being a caregiver to my child after that. It just makes me tear up thinking about the changes that happen when you become a caregiver or when you assume the role of a caregiver, washing, giving baths, helping with going to the restroom, cleaning um, all of those things.
0: Yeah. I um feel like, because we had such an, it was a beautiful experience, but I kind of now feel like I was honored to do it.
1: Yeah. Changes, right? Like in the moment you're overwhelmed. And, and again, I would never know what that feels like for a child, but for my mom, my identity changed. I wasn't a daughter anymore, or maybe I was, but it, but it had an added aspect to it. And looking back, I would never have changed it. So you're exactly right. That is the least that I could have ever done for my mom. But in the moment, it's exhausting. It's mm-hmm. exhausting and it's mentally and physically so difficult. But again, looking back at it, you know, she gave me life. How could I not help mm-hmm. her? And and I wasn't a daily caregiver. I, you know, periodically helping my father really. And, and so it wasn't all the time. And, you know, it's so important to you to have a support system, to have a a counselor to talk to or to process, because when you're living that day in and day out, caring for yourself becomes the bottom of the pool. But I think that also helps me to understand to a greater level, again, I'll never know 100%, -hmm. but when I do meet families who are caregivers for their children um, and staff members who have been caring for children for months here at the Mm -hmm. hospital, to have that understanding that sometimes there are no words to say. And also to just kind of be with them and listen to where they are, what struggles are they feeling as the caregiver? How about the person um, Mm -hmm. with whom they're, they're caring? What are some ways we can be present in those situations that are uncomfortable?
0: Yeah, I think that's key. I had to get comfortable with uncomfortable. It just
1: became my norm. And so. And and loss of control too, right? I mean, for you, there's no control.
0: You just have to surrender. You are surrendering to what is, and I think what that did for us it empowered what you were doing in the now like right you can't worry about two weeks from now or two years from now you have to you're in the it. now and I think that's what made our situation so cool was we were going to just do it
1: and, yeah you and- don't think of it there's no other thought
0: instead of having that fear cloud hanging over it brings life into no matter what's going on you know you can turn it around a lot of times Soon after Ben passed, I volunteered at the hospital for a period of time. And I got very attached to this little boy in the trach unit. Every Saturday I would go and sit with him and I'd, you know, try to spend as much time with him as I could. He was nonverbal. Mm-hmm. And one day I walked in and one of the nurses said, he's going home next week. And it maybe it was a period of a summer that I had spent with him. And I remember I got so emotional. Yes. I was like, oh my gosh. I mean, they're like, you're so happy he's going home. But right. I was like,
1: oh, wow. You know,
0: it made me right. feel so good to be a part of whatever that role I needed to play for him.
1: And you were, I mean, it being a part of, that is a part of their story.
0: Yeah. And I don't have to know what it is. Like have to be a label on it, but you know, that it was
1: what it needed to be. A lot of the families that I, and I truly have the privilege of getting to be, I would even say sometimes a part of their family when they're here, obviously, you know, appropriate boundaries, we we really right. have to hone in on those. But how can you not get to know them when you were literally in the throes of their entire lives and plans, hearing their perspective, caregivers and and medical parents, who are continuously the caregivers, hearing their perspective, sometimes, I want to shout it from the rooftops, I feel like sometimes, whether it's they're em- not embarrassed, but If you don't know, you don't know. And it's hard to convey to a person, you know, how guilty it can feel when your child might be at the hospital and you have been caregiving and you just want to go home and you want to get a shower. And it's not that you do not love your child because they love them so much, but they just, you know, there's so much guilt and expectation to around being a caregiver. It's almost as if the thought process is I always have to be there. Mm -hmm. I always have to be in the know. And part of my role, I think, and the nurse's role, the staff role, is to help promote care, not only of the patient, but of the caregiver. And that is doing what brings their body and their mind rest to, if things are going well, try to go home, try to take a nap, try to take a shower. Why don't we set up um, a movie or a game for your son or your daughter? Mm-hmm. Um, just things of that nature, advocating and, and giving them permission to feel what they feel.
0: It can be just something very spontaneous. I remember one time I wanted to go for a run. So one oh, of the yeah. doctors was in there and he lived in, in Ghent. I said, I want to go maybe three miles. And so he mapped me out this little route yeah. and off I went. Yeah. And you know, that 30 minutes that I was gone made me a better mom.
1: Probably I for am a week. impressed that you can do three miles in 30 minutes. Way to go. These are the truths that exist as being yeah. a caregiver. Well, I think just the allowance. Yes. You can do that. Absolutely. And it I- does not affect your role as a caregiver. In fact, it enhances your role as a caregiver. And even saying things that you know are feelings, but are not truths,
0: mm-hmm. that's
1: also so important too to hear those words, right? Like, I'm tired. Um, sometimes I've heard parents even say, if I would have known. X, Y, and Z, I wouldn't have chosen saying those things that are stored into their Mm -hmm. bodies is freeing. And it is, it is appropriate and it is, Mm -hmm. is needed to be validated um, because nobody expects the unexpected or especially when it comes to medical care, you know, nobody can really prepare you for what that could look like because it could be a, a large spectrum,
0: You know, as we talk about this, how do you feel like a caregiver could be better supported?
1: You know, for support, it's collective, right? It's not just Mm -hmm. one person or one thing. It's, again, I I feel that to support caregivers, the most important thing is to ask truly and genuinely, what can I do to support you? Because it could look different from one person Mm -hmm. to the other. For one, they might need 10 minutes to talk. Uh, maybe over lunch, or hey, do you need me to go get you a coffee? And not that that fixes anything. I think sometimes I call things like that kind of a band-aid approach, but it sets the stage for establishing rapport. So to get to know the caregiver and to understand, you know, hey, maybe the next time we care for the same patient, they'll be able to share a little bit more with me, or, you know, to open up about another patient or another case that was really hard on their heart or a personal thing in their family. So just establishing connection. And, you know, unfortunately with everything that's been going on the last three years with COVID, the connection, the personal connection and the vulnerability, I have definitely seen it hiding a lot more. And it does come out through social media, but there's still not that connection right mm-hmm. like there's not that person to person and you know there's also an expectation for caregivers to stuff it all in and what are ways that we can support each other asking asking or following our heart and our gut you know there are some families that I will go up to and I will say I um, I just wanted to let you know you know my name is Ann I am here for whatever you need in terms of emotional, spiritual support. And if you also need alone time, please tell me that. You know, so giving the option of something that could be helpful, but also recognizing they might need alone time or they might also want to not be bothered for two hours. And how Mm -hmm. can we communicate that to the team? So just, again, connecting with one another and and. For support, too, I think acknowledging, we do so many criticisms. What about the positives? Where did those go, right? You know, hey, you handled that de-escalation situation like a pro. Well done. That must have been very hard for you. I saw how difficult that was, and you did a great job. So, and you can you know,
0: almost see the person turn around, right?
1: Yeah, because and our culture and the context, especially in, in the medical world, is so used to criticism. From parents, like of course, because that is where they are most vulnerable. Um, you know, and and that is it's going to come out, and and so how can we mitigate that with positivity? So, yeah, a great question though. Yeah,
0: but you guys do a really good job at CHKD with having spaces for families. There are, I know, many floors where the parents may be for longer mm-hmm. periods of time. There's family rooms, and there are meditation spaces. Mm-hmm.
1: And- Yep. And sometimes we have quiet rooms just to take a breather, uh, you know, because again, being around so many people that come in and out, in and out, in and out, sometimes it's important to just get some, some you time. Um, and for you and guys I, too, right? Yeah. I mean. Yeah. I was thinking about that the other day. I was thinking, what could we do? My role is is transitioning a little bit more into staff support. And so I kept thinking, you know, what if somebody just wants to, you know, they can't take a run. I mean, is a treadmill out of the question, like a walk? I'm just trying to think outside the box of ways that we can support one another that are healthy, that are not quick fixes, right? So really getting down to the nitty gritty. And I will also say for caregivers too, changing systems that have been in place that are not working. I think another way to support is to reevaluate, continue to reevaluate what we are doing to support or to not support. What does Mm -hmm. that look like? And, you know, going back to my amazing mom, I even think for caregivers, there's always this thought of, I could have done something more. And how do we make space for that? Because we're going to be hardest on ourselves. So what does that community look like of caregivers? What are we doing to support the community as a whole?
0: Yeah, I know
1: that's, that's all it. these questions.
0: Yeah, none of them have answers, but we'll get right.
1: there. Yeah, we will you know, random acts of kindness happen all the time. And I think it's also a matter of perspective. Seeing beauty in the broken has always been key for me, right? It's kind of like we were talking earlier, a, a mosaic. These are broken pieces of, of glass or of um, ceramic or what have you, right? And they are created to make a beautiful piece, but first it must be broken. And mm-hmm. having that positive idea of creating beauty. And, and and don't get me wrong, that may be months and years down the road. Like sitting in that darkness is appropriate and healthy, of course, when you are appropriate and healthy with it. Why can't we? Why can't we just be in the here and now and then have these thoughts and make them happen?
0: Yeah, I think staying present as you can in the situation, right? When you're on the other side of it, you don't have as much to look back on because you yeah. stayed present. So if it was right, wrong indifferent, good, bad, it doesn't even matter. Right. You were just there. Yeah. You were just, I mean, so that's why sometimes when I look back, I mean, I don't, I don't even really judge it too much
1: because and that's great.
0: we were just there. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I think these conversations could just keep going. Right.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, and I will say one last thing too, if that's okay. You know, sometimes we never hear back from people that we meet here at the hospital, families or patients. And um, one of the other things that always brings me hope is we will never know, well, we do know how much they mean to us, right? Mm -hmm. So we hold that in our heart. There are some moments that happened nine years ago, and I still can tell you exactly where I was and exactly the feeling. And we've had some of the most incredible encounters and discussions and talks and, and being present with people. But then also for ourselves and for other caregivers to know that you too will be remembered and you may not hear that validation and we shouldn't Mm -hmm. count on it, but to know that when you're doing something in the act of caregiving, that that could potentially be somebody's happy memory or moment Mm -hmm. that inspires them. I keep a box (laughs) in my office, I call it my, um, like my happy folder, (laughs) I don't have another name for that. But if I have something that I remember, I'll usually write it down and put it in there because I don't want to ever want to forget those memories of that person or the family or the staff member because it meant something to me and it made a huge imprint on my heart. And whenever I do have a rough day um, as a caregiver, I'll look back on that and I'll think, okay, you know again, as somebody who is spiritual, I do use the term God, but I wouldn't include any deity or religious affiliation. but, I say, okay, God, continue to use me in whatever way that you have in store. Um, and and not for my glorification, right? But mm-hmm. for, for yours, but also to be a light in the world that has a potential to be dark, but we're going to make it light. So
0: That's beautiful. We should all do that. I think the world yeah. would be a better place. Yeah. Thank, Thank you so much for sharing sure. your perspective because- you know, as the Benjamin Goldberg Foundation grows, you know, we too are looking at ourselves and changing our language and what we're saying. And Mm -hmm. lately, the change has been really transforming the healthcare experience. How do we look
1: at that? And how? Yeah, because it is a massive project. It's a huge shift. Yeah. I'm so grateful that you are giving voice to that. Thank you so much for just letting me share kind of how I, again, like privilege. I probably said it 8,000 times, but I really do have the privilege of working with the most incredible families and also staff members. Mm -hmm. And honestly, that's what sustains me. Yes, faith, but also each other. Again, that connection is so important, but thank you so much for inviting me to share a little bit about kind of how I see caregiving and happy to continue to help the foundation too, as it grows in whatever way you need. Thank you.
0: Until next time.